Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, I really hope we're on episode five because that's the one I just finished moments ago. Well, that's the one I did too. So. Okay, I think that's her. I did question it, but not enough to actually ask you. Um, the title is "The Grim Barbarity of Optics and Design," and we should have done this last week. And I believe we put a note on the episode, but this is uh probably trigger warning for self harm, any suicidal. Yeah. Things of that nature. So, yeah. um, I mean, it's like a dark humor. They kind of cat, they kind of play it out too. So, yeah. Um, but it is a little, there's th- certain things about it that are a little graphic. So, this episode and last episode, just a note. Right. Um, cause we actually open on, um, Helly. Cause if recapping last episode, she, uh, when she clocked out, per se, she hung herself in the elevator. Um, which, And then this episode opens on her body. You can see from the outside of the elevator riding down. And then doors open. And the security guard just happens to not be there this time, which he usually is stationed right there. And then it rides back up. And um, we see cut to Mark like kind of getting ready to leave for the day. He's waiting at the elevator and opens the door to find her now yeah. unconscious. And he runs in to kind of like support her and get the pressure off her neck. And at the, at the same moment, Grainer is like slow motion, pocket to chin, running, running down there. the hallway to, <laughs> to go because he's been watching his job that we kind of find out in this episode is to like monitor MDR. Yeah. So just surveillance of that department, I guess. Specifically, I don't know. I guess I don't know for sure if it's just them for sure. If there's more to his job than that, but huh. But that being said, we don't know of anybody else who leaves during the day. No. Like, we know that there's an indication that some people never leave. Right. And we know for sure that Mark leaves, Helly leaves, Dylan, and Irving leave. I mean. Yeah. That's implied. We don't, we don't have any evidence to say that anybody else actually uh, has an Audi, I guess is how you'd say that. I mean, we've seen Milchuk outside when Heli um, was starting, but... It's not severed, that we know. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah, he's not separate. You know what I'm saying? Like, we've never seen anybody else clock out and leave for the day, but only the people using this elevator, as far as we know, is MDR. Yeah. So, just something I just thought of. I don't know. Yeah, huh. Um... So, Milter Grainer is the scary guy that Petey refers to. He's a bad guy. We don't like him. That is watching. He does have a scary face. He's a, definitely very, uh, and he's always the one who's like retrieving them to go to the break room. So, like, he's definitely yeah. like the disciplinarian. He's like the principal. Or yeah. Something. Yes. <laughs> um, they basically like force Mark into the elevator to, to, to send him out while they. Address Ellie. Ellie. Um, and so he, which, like, how traumatizing for any Mark, like, just shove him, like, he has no idea if she's gonna be okay, and then just shove him in the elevator, and like, you'll forget about it in a minute. Yeah, don't worry. He does, I mean, he, you know, wakes up or whatever, or switches his consciousness in the elevator, walks out, and he finds that while he was at work all day, he's got like a million missed calls from Rickon. (laughs) Um, well, really, one thing they seem to emphasize that I don't know what this means is he exits the elevator and there's like that old school cool clock above it, mm-hmm. the digital clock, but it looks like it's like mid century. And it, like, they seem to like wait for it to turn. So he um, exits the elevator, it's 5 15, and then it kind of clicks down to 5 16 p.m. And then he can go. And then he leaves. So I don't, don't know if that was just for effective, like, because or if it's was, like a rule that they have to wait that minute to They're staggered, but you would think like this whole like incident would like maybe throw off their schedule. Right? You know, I don't know. I don't know what it means. They just seem to like hold on that clock for a minute when he got out. Yeah. Then of course he gets his stuff out of the and the security guard returns, like after this all happened. Yeah, right. Now you're there, bud. Well yeah. done. Good job. <laughs> Took a bathroom break at the right time, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, this feels like Lumen would be like really unhappy with this. Like you uh, can't, you can't take a break at the time the elevator is going to be in. That use. the Audis are coming, like yeah, they get they use it twice a day. Yeah, yeah. You gotta be there. The bathroom at any point. Sure. Yeah, between like eight and five. Right. Um. So he gets his stuff out of the um I guess we don't go to that till a little bit later, huh? Oh yeah, because then like he goes up, you know, and then it kind of cuts to him coming back as yeah. um Audi Mark then returning to work and immediately yep. he just Adam Scott does such a good job of like the switch in the yeah. elevator that you can immediately see when he becomes any mark. And like yeah. it's just focusing, you know, on his face, but you can like there's like a facial expressions. It looks like the lights go out for a second and come back on, but very quickly. Yeah, yeah. It's such a such a good job the way they do that. Uh huh. And then immediately Cobell's becomes waiting. concerned again about Helly, and then opens the door to find Cobell and Milchek waiting in the lobby for him in like a little like sitting area set up in the lobby that I never noticed. Like all of a sudden, there's like a meeting space right inside <laughs> the where the elevator opens. Yeah. Um. Cobell, of course, blames Mark because it happened. This incident happened on his watch. Oh, Milchek's there as well, and she says, "Thank Kier himself that it went the way it did." Um, because she's in the hospital. They also mentioned yeah that Helly did not die. Thank goodness. Yeah, I was gonna be so upset watching this if Helly would have died right after PD did, and I would have been like, 
beyond upset because I really did because you know there's certain times when characters are like in danger and you're like well they're gonna be okay because like that's like but they I wasn't the first time around watching this I've seen it a few times now I wasn't confident that she was gonna survive Mm -mm. I wasn't either because I feel like the show could go any direction you know and I'm not convinced that they don't like somehow make use of people who've died you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. there seems to be some sort of like living dead thing like the way they really like um I think immortality is something yeah. in this. So the like animatronic statues they have, the mention that like I don't know, we know that some of the quotes they have about yeah. living forever, like right, living generations on, and you know, I don't yeah. know. It just seems like immortality is a larger theme backdrop of mm-hmm. this. So, anyways, I wasn't sure that she was going to make it, and it really, she, I mean, not to be like so graphic, but like there's a. She rides all the way down and up and down the elevator and is struggling and then is unconscious. And you, I don't know the timeline of, like, how long a person can suffocate. I was like, wondering about that, too. I I don't care to find that. I don't really care to, like, dig into it. So he returns to his desk and he kind of cracks open Rickon's book. Um, And, like, again, we've said it a couple of times now. Like, there's so many things that, like, sure, that makes sense but like why are we why do we feel the need to say it kind of thing you know what i mean like it's not really like it sounds like it has this deep meaning you should ponder but it's really just like nope that may that's true but like why what to what end it wasn't as profound as you made it seem (laughs) yeah it's a very basic statement that you're like really flourishing and like adding and it's like i don't feel like there's any deeper meaning i think it's just pretty much face value what that means but you just really made it fancy right which is Story of Rickon's book. That is I Rickon. mean, <laughs> that's true. A couple of the quotes I jotted down just because to paint a picture. You should read the one about the toes of what we're dealing with. Yep, that's my first one. <laughs> um, so they're kind of like in Rickon's voice, like narrating what he's reading. Um, the first one is a society with festering workers cannot flourish, just as a man with rotting toes cannot skip. It's like you could just say a society with what is it festering workers can't flourish cannot flourish but you he had I mean? to add like, in the guy with the rotting toes he can't skip it paints a picture it really does but it doesn't add context it doesn't add anything to the statement it adds like some graphicness to yeah. that and a lot like i'm just now wondering like what causes your toes to rot but i mean and i kind of wonder i feel like there's a greater my sense is that Rickon's going to be the hero of this story. Oh my gosh. Wouldn't that be a twist and fun? Don't, you don't feel like that? Like, why are you spending so much time on Rickon and Rickon's writing and blah, blah, blah? Well, I mean, Mark is clearly, he's reading Rickon's writing, any Mark, having yeah. no idea who Rickon is. And he's kind of like having a little revolution, though. I guess. Like, it's spurring him to, again, sort of become, like, rebellious in the way he was with Petey, as we see. True. Yes. Um, I guess. I guess and it's just extra funny had- though because outside Mark like, is like Rickon's kind of a dope. They just give um, so many examples that it's like I don't know. I I just feel like he's gonna like lead a revolution or something's gonna ha- like. I'm talking like hopefully if we're cure willing, like four seasons down the road. Cure willing. Well played. Um. Um, another one we have is what separates a man from machine is that machine cannot think for itself. Also, 
Machine is metal. Man is skin. <laughs> Could have just left it at that first part. But correct. No. That is correct. Does it... Like, yes, thank you, Rickon, for that. <laughs> Thanks for that extra clarification. I'm sitting here wondering, like, what's the difference between man and what's machine? really the difference. In the last one, and this is why I kind of feel, because I feel like they plant a few, like, random nonsensical ones, and then they plant one that's like, this actually... Could go somewhere. Maybe it's like the broken clock is right twice a day type of thing, but it's... Yeah. It's a, this is a, the last one I wrote down. I swear I didn't like just list every his manuscript or whatever. But though it would have been funny because they are. <laughs> it is a delight to listen to rereading all. <laughs> if you're fighting a war, do not fight for my freedom. Fight for the freedom of the man sitting next to you. This will inspire you, or this will inspire you both. Like in, you could take that and sort of superimpose it on this world of the innies and even the out mark and what he's dealing with is like he's not willing to fight for himself he's to quote bridesmaids he's not fighting for his shitty life he's just like he's good with mediocrity Mm -hmm. but like once you look at helly and how much she's struggling and how much she's really suffering inside Mm -hmm. and you kind of like get more inspired because you care about fixing what's broken for them not as it's not so much for you and he's more inspired yeah. yeah, and that, I mean that's that's entirely true that the Helly's suicide attempt, along Arks. with Rickon's book, has gotten him revved up to like yeah. kind of do something in a very subtle and, way. It's not like yeah, he's probably, like yeah. I mean he's not he's not yeah. running up the stairs like yeah. Rocky or whatever, but like yeah. he is he is doing little, his like subtle little internal rebellion. rebellion here. Yeah, yeah, yep. And so, it is largely because I mean, because he cares about Helly, and he doesn't want her to be miserable, and he sees that she is, and that's not okay to just sit even with. if he can't like muster the care for himself or like some hypothetical people he doesn't know on the outside, aka his Audi self. Like, don't, he's not fighting for his Audi self; he doesn't care about his Audi self. Yeah, he's willing to fight for the people around him that he cares about. Yeah. So I actually thought that was thought provoking comment, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. followed by. Bullies are nothing but bull and lies. So, one of these that things like something you tell like a, a kid who is getting bullied. Yeah, remember those bullies are nothing but bull and lies. Bull and lies. And an extra L that's in there. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like like four, three truths and a lie or something. Like I don't know. It's just like yeah, like he's got some misses in there, but you know, you yeah. miss often enough. Once in a while, you might hit that target. Keep shooting your shot. Um, yep. Returning to Cobell, which I spelled with a K in this note for some reason. <laughs> um, returning to Cobell's office greener. Just like Cody. Cody Brown with a K. Maybe that's what happened. Yeah. It could be. You're just used to writing it with a K. Uh, Grainer has PD's chip uh, and he's confirming for Cobell that he was fully reintegrated. Which seems like big news. But mm-hmm. she doesn't, you know, he's like, the board doesn't recognize reintegration. We know this. It's dangerous for them to, it's dangerous for Lumen for themselves to recognize reintegration because then they kind of lose all their power. Right. Uh, but she decides that she, like, wants all the data from the chip. So I don't know, like, more, like, detailed information the chip collected or something. I, don't, I didn't And she wants it. to know who did the reintegration oh so she can bring that to the board so it's not just like oh we're you know problem we've got 
PD was reintegrated, other people might be too, but this way she can actually bring in like, and here's who's responsible, but let's go yeah, get them. A full like, presentation. Mm-hmm. Or she wants the information for herself and she's just killing time that she can keep. Could be. Could if be. we are to We're believe not that sure. she might be a double agent of some sort. Right. Some fashion. Again, we have no idea about her. She is a question mark. <laughs> do you have a, do you believe, do you feel, I, I'm more inclined to believe she's keeping the information to herself right now. Like, that's why she wants to. Well, also a later, another moment in this episode kind of leads you to believe that too with Miss yep. Casey. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, this is where Mark leaves work to find several missed calls and voicemails from Rick and because uh, she's gone into labor and they're at their birthing, what they call the birthing camp. It's like a rustic retreat type situation. Which I love this set of the birthing camp. I wouldn't want to give birth there. Um, but I love the the look of it's it. It's like a vacation destination. Yeah, yeah. and just the, um, again, the cold, dark winter mm-hmm. night and this, like, woods lodge sort of cabins. Like, I just love it. And they kind of make it out, like, the cabin that Devin has is, like, the shitty one, but it's still quite, like... It's cozy, though. Nice. It's big. It's cozy. It's still cozy, yeah. Yes, because Rick, in one of his voicemails, is, you'll find us in one of the more modestly priced cabins. Affordable. I hope that you're not lost. <laughs> Um, and then he's leaving voicemails. Oh, is this any Mark? Maybe if it is any Mark, tell Audi Mark Rickin wants to him to call him. <laughs> yeah, like they have no concept of how this works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like any Mark is not listening to these voicemails, and he doesn't just like tap into Audi Mark and be like, "Hey, buddy, call right. your back. switch quick." Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, so he goes and heads right there. Uh, and he inter and he. As he's approaching the cabin, uh, the midwife is leaving, and we, she, we, Mark had gone on a date with her a couple episodes ago. And I forgot, and he was clear appears to have forgotten that she was like part of this whole situation. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of surprised to see her. Uh, and it's awkward because they had such a bad date. Yeah, and, uh, and he apologizes, and it's just like, okay, let's just move on. Yeah. Um, she makes a comment. Cause she's kind of she's kind of like Mark, where she's kind of got that dry, like sort of sarcasticness about her. She's like, which I think in another situation they might be quite compatible, yeah. and it could be nice. But Mark is really not in a place where he should be dating. And yeah, definitely not Audi Mark. Yeah. Um, Rickon is doing this thing where he cries over her, so I'm gonna give them some privacy. Is what she says <laughs> to him as she walks out. Um. Rickon is crying over her because he walks in and Rickon's like sobbing over Devin's pregnant belly, just being like, I don't want to be like my father. And he's like, I know. She's so sweet with him, even though he's clearly being so ridiculous and like also making this all about him. I know. (laughs) And she's like, All right, yep, get it out all now. Okay, get it all out now. Um I'm not. I swear, I'm not going to detail every like ridiculous Rickonism because we this we just need to keep the plot moving forward. But <laughs> he does say, and it comes back up later that Mark say a secret quickly. The fetus is drawn to clear air, and purging secrets will create a soul void that makes the baby come faster. And Mark's, and Mark's like, and we want that. That's <laughs> the goal. <laughs> um, which I've never heard that, but sure, a soul void. Um. Yeah. Devin kind of goes, she's like, needs a break from probably Rickon's whole energy, all what he's like bringing to the table and some space and some coffee. She needs some coffee. So she goes 
like a neighbor, runs over next door to the giant cabin um, yeah. and kind of like hails the lady that's in the window. And asks Who her has coffee. some coffee, like in a French press that yeah. she's pouring conveniently there. So. Like in the glowing window in the winter wind, like outside. It's like, And she's like, looks lovely and elegant in like this silk robe that she's like, gonna elegantly give birth or something in this beautiful like an olivia bun type she kind of reminds me of sort yeah of. yeah uh so she kind of like very like casually is like hey can i have some of your coffee and she was the lady's a little taken aback like uh, i guess so let's, okay let's sure. her in um we find out her name is gabby Devin is very friendly and very, like, again, casual with her she's like oh man this place is not- you rich like what's going on and she's like <laughs> she's a little more stoic <laughs> yeah a little more like reserved mm-hmm. um and she's like oh is this your first and she's like yep you and she's nope this is my third and his name will be william and i don't know if that is here that just feels like a specific detail to include so i feel like we should be looking for williams coming up it is a specific okay. detail there is a specific detail of the name william so clock that um Devin goes how do you do it and she goes ah lots of help which, not to hammer on that too much, but it is an interesting point to clap. <laughs> and I mean, I think it's also important to note that she has money, that she's of a certain yeah. um, economic class, which mm-hmm. might have something to do with some stuff later. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For sure. Not that, no spoilers, but just mm-hmm. note, Gabby. Just cheap keep that in mind she, she is like even though she's a little more like reserved for her she is like she seems like to warm up to Devin. yeah you know she um, still seems nice like she's just yeah. a little like caught off guard yeah. by Devin just being like hey pretty hot. yeah yeah um so she returns to the cabin with her coffee and i guess rick and i don't know where he go he kind of takes a break well but- i mean while she was gone rick and and mark were hanging the kelp in the cabin whatever that means and rickon's like do you really want me to explain why we're hanging kelp and mark's kind of like no no you're right i don't want you i don't and, yeah i mean who it's never a, heard of that it's such a funny moment of self-awareness from rickon too it's like yeah it's like listen we both know you don't want to hear me go on go about what the this. kelp is gonna do right my correct so we just gotta hang the kelp just help me do it okay it's like all right deal. and then he does tell him that he's he's insulted that mark hasn't thanked him for his book um, and Mark's like, I never got a book. What are you talking about? And so Rickon's like, oh, my God, it was stolen. I bet the thief will turn themselves in, though, because they'll feel bad after they've read my book. And then yeah, they'll turn like, if they read in. it, they're going to be changed and want to like, turn themselves in. Sure. <laughs> um, Maybe. So then he but he leaves because then it's just Mark and Devin for a minute. Mm-hmm. And Mark's like, should I tell a secret? Like kind of teasing, of course, Rickon as they do. But he actually wants, you could tell he like wants to tell her what he's kind of been figuring out over the course of the last, I don't know, a couple weeks it's been. Yeah. Um, 
Can you hear the drill? A little bit, but it's okay. <laughs> Al's working on the basement. Hmm. Is he uh, off work today? No, he just got done early, so he's like... And he just came work. home and started working right away, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. He just, this is the just, how. Yeah. It's funny. So, side note, just a little like behind the scenes information about my life. Um, we're putting a bathroom in the basement and kind of finishing the basement, and which is fun. But it's funny because as we were like building up to this project, I was like, I'm just going to chip away at it here and there or probably take like a year. Like, it's going to, you know, just, I'm not going to go you know spend all my time doing that i'm just gonna pick away at it for fun and we'll get it done and blah blah blah. now and at the time i'm like sure like he's like you know no you know he's like i'm not gonna rush i'm like no please don't but i've been through enough home projects with you to know that you're not gonna just pick away at it for a year (laughs) here we are are down there he's already framed this bath this has been a week he's framed the bath it's been a week wow okay he ran into a cracked pipe that we had to rip out, like a, a, a trench across the entire basement, and then rebuild oh my that God. cement. And um, it has been like two weeks since since the start of this concept of the project to now. So he's been hard at it. <laughs> so he's been doing a fair amount of work on it, yeah, which is fine. I don't care. It's just that he had that. He's like, no, I'm just gonna chip away at it. And I was like, you like do th- like one thing a week, maybe like a little thing, you know? Yeah, that was like I think what he thought was gonna happen, but I know how he is, and I'm like, sure, Al. yeah, I'll bet money this is done before spring, like <laughs> big money, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, so if you hear some loud drilling, it's because Al's plumbing in a basement. Just Al chipping away at it, just drilling holes. I mean, I. I I don't even know what he could be doing. <laughs> like, what are you drilling? Something large. Huh. So I apologize for the ambiance. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's see. Okay. Mark wants to tell his secret. Mm-hmm. And he's like, kind of like hesitant. He's like, I kind of think Lumen might be up to something. Um, and he's like, okay, you know, they kind of like, whatever. But he's like, remember the businessman. Like he's about to kind of like tell his tale or some part of it, but then they're interrupted by Devin. I think she starts having like some contractions, right? And she's like, I think more going into labor, like it's yeah. getting close, so like yeah. they need to call in the doula and such. And so Mark he gets heads out, cut short. Yep. Um, there's some long scene of him kind of like sitting and quietly crying outside. I don't. I just, again, loved the look of that scene. It's Mark basically sitting out by the frozen lake. And it reminded me of a place I went on vacation up um, by Voyagers National Park up in Minnesota. It reminded me of the lake that I stayed on up there. Okay. Except it was winter and it was summer when I went. But whatever. It just reminded me of that. And I thought it was a really lovely, beautifully shot scene. Just a little fun tidbit I read today on Red. They filmed this in, like, Nova Scotia or something. So. Oh, really? Okay. So maybe it was something similar. Yeah, um, it was, it was right up by Canada, at least where I was. Yeah, different. It's like the other side, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Not the same part of Canada, but you know, Canadian. Devin gives birth, but we mostly kind of just then cut back to inside the office. Only other thing is, I think we've they didn't say like what the baby's name was or anything, but it's kind of like a clue that the baby's gonna be a girl because Rickon was talking to Mark about wanting to name her middle name Gemma, 
And Mark said no to it because he wants the baby to have its own name and not one with a bunch of baggage, he said. so. Which I thought that was like... I like that. Nice of him. Yeah. Yeah, I liked that. um, But yeah, that's like a heavy name to like be named after someone who's passed away. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also like the way Rick and phrase that when he says the baby's name could have been so lovely a tribute to her. Uh, but you were unable to be comfortable with it, which I don't know why, just unable to be comfortable with it just feels so, like, he's choosing those words because it's probably more politically correct in his, like, agenda that he has sort of thing, mm-hmm. but it just, like, truly makes no difference as to saying just you were uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, we're back in the office, and they're getting ready for Heli to come back, and it's yeah. they're saying... Her, she woke up in her Audi self, so this is the first time since the incident that her innie is going to be conscious again. Which is just insane to think about. Yeah. Well, she literally wakes up in the elevator, like, gasping. You know? Like, having a panic attack, you know? Scary. Yeah. Um, but Milchuk is coaching him on how to have kind eyes when he sees Heli. <laughs> and Milchuk has kind eyes. He does, and he has a nice smile. Mm-hmm. Um, Milchek is capable of looking very kind. Very warm. Even mm-hmm. though he's like kind of a robot, but he Yeah. But he can he can mimic yeah. the look of warmthness quite well in a way that Mark cannot. No, he tries and it's like <laughs> He's like creepy eyes. He's trying to make his eyes look kind and instead like he's like Yeah. They look pretty creepy. Another... And when Mark meets Helly in the elevator and she's, yeah. you know, having a panic attack, he comes up to her and gives her this look that his eyes are trying to be kind. And you're like, oh, and she's that's a like, fail, Mark. Uh... Stop it. It's creepy. <laughs> she's going to creep her out there. She doesn't need that. Another very good, like, Adam Scott face facial work. So good. Doing. I loved it. Um, and so they kind of go back to their MDR, like, little conference room thing. And he's like, hey, if you want to focus on looking for uh, happy numbers for a while, that's fine. And she, of course, is like, like a, like a would we say, a mirthful kind of, like, yeah. chuckle. Or that'll that. make a yeah. bit of difference to me. Oh, thanks, boss. I can, like, I'm allowed to focus on happy numbers. The job that I hated so much, I tried to end my life in, in the building. <laughs> like, it's just like. It's like in the office where they're like, Stanley tried to die just to get away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and is that super loud? It's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> what is he doing? It'll be fine. It's just, you know what? It just adds Character. something for the listener. You're welcome, <laughs> listener. If you can identify the power tools, send you up mug or something you get a prize <laughs> <laughs> um uh miss K- did we see where miss cobell was like assigning miss casey to this or did she just appear in the office because i kind of missed that um i feel like she just kind of appeared um okay. oh but then milchek does talk about it with cobell because miss casey comes in yeah later yeah. miss casey comes in to observe heli and watch for signs of sadness and encourage her not to kill herself if she gets the urge. <laughs> so that's a mission, Miss Casey. Yeah. And um, oh, she can perform a hug upon request. That was my one quote that I jotted down <laughs> from this. She's she's shown up to observe Helia and she can, upon request, can also perform a hug. And she has the most, like, automated, like, 
it's like AI, but like yoga e voice. Like yes, it's very, it is kind of a yoga instructor, meditation guru. Or like more robotic and like. Uh, it's as if AI was doing like leading a yoga class. Yeah, yeah. That is basically. That's Miss Casey in a nutshell. Um, like she's a person, but also it's like she's playing a person. It's, it's like she has a very limited script that she's working off of. Yes. And like a very. um limited awareness as well it seems like some of her phrasing and stuff is almost like very basic and i would even say kind of childlike where yeah she doesn't even have like a full vocabulary to like of emotional words like she uses sadness in place of like worry or anxiety you know and it just is one reading she's not good at like reading cues at all like from other people yeah Yeah. it's it's odd it is odd it's um yeah, I can't. I want to get into some stuff, but I can't yet. Um, Bird has an or not Bird. Irv has another kind of like of his hallucination dozing episodes that he has, where he sees like the ooey black goo, black goo everywhere. Yeah. Um, and then he kind of like snaps out of it or whatever, and like wants to go visit Bert. Yeah. Um. He tells Mark that, and Mark, and as a, I'm Irv. So Irv, who's Mister like teetotaler or whatever, I w- I kind of need like more transition from him to be like such a rule follower that he like knows the handbook by heart, different editions, blah blah blah. But yet he'll take this map, this like um, contraband map, to go visit Bert. You know what I mean? So because it's. He's fallen for Bert. We all act crazy when we're I guess when we're infatuated. It's such a one eighty for him, even though he's still very like cautious. But think about life. it. When you've been like really falling for somebody, like you kinda lose your mind a little bit. Like it's not maybe you don't. Maybe you're very logical. So I don't <laughs> I guess. It's just such a But you do though. Like you you kinda yeah. like it it consumes you. Like, and, yeah. I and so. I think that's just what's going on with him with Bert, that he's just Head over heels. Well, Mark asks him to take a copy of the map he's been working on, photocopy it, uh, so he doesn't get lost. Mm-hmm. So his act of rebellion is giving this map that's contraband off to someone who, like, to his knowledge, would have reported him in the past. You know what I mean? Like, they do have, like, an alliance, even though they don't agree with each other in a way. Yeah, Irving's not, like, screwing Mark over or anything. They trust each other. Like, they trust each yeah. other with information, even though, like, in theory, they sh- pro- Even they though if you were following the textbook by- to a T, like, Irving would have turned Mark in for yeah. other stuff by now. He would have turned him in for, for Egan Bingo, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, he... Right. He'll he puts up with Mark's actually... little transgressions. Yeah. And he puts up with Dylan's, like, Antics. whole thing. <laughs> But Dylan, so Dylan, Dylan's funny because he's like rebellious, or he puts on a front of being rebellious, but he actually really is a, he knows the rules. You know what I mean? Yeah, he just kind of, like, he does kind of do his job, and like, he's pretty dedicated to it. Yeah. But again, he's, he's really only motivated by those prizes, so. Yeah. Um, anywho's, so they, he goes to go make a copy of the map, and... Uh, the photocopier out com- instead of copies of the map out comes like prints of this like the lumen artwork which looks like i don't know do you know art history like what kind of like we would compare it to uh i 
I don't, um, yeah. but I've seen this, vi- like, we all have, we've seen very specific style. Yeah, like a Revolutionary War, yeah. like, painting style, you know. Yeah. Very, it looks, it doesn't look modern. No. And it's, like, sort of impressionist. I don't, I don't know, it's not like. Um, it's not it's like, like an oil painting, I think, where it's a little smudgy. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, like, realism, per se. Yeah. Um. I don't, maybe I'm using the wrong term, but you get the get the gist. It's like this oil should painting. Should ask your sister. She'd probably know. It's if I cared enough. <laughs> you get the you get the picture. I picture yeah. like something of like a, a battle from Napoleon's time. You yeah, know, in, yeah, that's a good fashion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So he gets a photocopy, and out comes co- copies of this uh painting, which is like a battle, gruesome. Like there's blood and like heads being ripped off and. People are eating each eating other. each other's limbs. And, yeah. yeah. And it's funny because it's like this old timey looking thing, but they're all wearing badges from Lumen. Mm-hmm. Around Which their stands out. Like they're colorful badges. Yeah. And it's the title of the painting, which is where we get the title of the episode, is the, um, I have to recall if it's long, the Grim Barbarity of Optics and Design. <laughs> and Irving's, of course, like startled. And he turns around and who's waiting for him but Milchek. He's like, oh, Irv. That's just a funny joke from Miss Cobell. You know, don't don't worry about it. Like, anyways, don't know where that came from. Hilarious joke, Cobell. You're so yeah. good at jokes. Um, he's like, and because he's asking Milchek, and like, did, did a revolution like really happen? Did they really have like an uprising? He's like, of course not. Yeah. Like, it's funny that this painting is here then, but okay. He's like, no, that's silly. But it's like, We'll get into this as it comes up more, but like the the genius kind of lore that Lumen has planted in these people that they won't say is like factual. They're like, oh, silly. But like they will like enforce it as like a means of controlling people or like planting doubt. And they put like little breadcrumbs like it really yeah. it like reinforce the belief. But then they're like, that's silly. Why would you believe it? Yeah. Isn't that funny how they do yeah. that? Yeah. Genius. Um, and then, of course, Milchick returns to his little like office thing and Cobell's waiting for him and she's like did you run a 266 on Irving B <laughs> and he's like yeah I thought it would persuade him to um from spending too much time with Bert G and Miltech or Cobell's kind of like mm, okay okay and you know, like a little he's like oh was that not okay she's like no good initiative um so basically, it's that the two six six is that he had printed this picture for Milchuk or for he had Irving to see on purpose, yeah. which shows that he is like monitoring them because this was timely enough for that he was about to go visit Irving B and it happened to print right. So they are watching yeah. them, but it's curious to me what they're picking up on what they're not. They don't see the book, as far as we know. Maybe they do. They don't see the map. They don't see the book. Yeah, they don't see. You know, in the bathroom where Helly's like, re- you know, swallowing pen caps. So, like, so think about it in like a regular office, like when you have your supervisor on the floor with you, like they only see certain, like you are still able to hide. Yeah, they're not like omnipotent. Yeah. yeah. So I guess it's just kind of like that. Because I mean, I assume that Milchak has other duties besides just staring at the department and watching them sort numbers all day. Yeah, true. So. We happen to catch that moment, I guess, is what we're yeah. gathering. Um, 
I think it's amusing and neither here nor there they have a code number for this exact moment for the exact <laughs> like behavior of sending a fake sending a like a printed painting to an office to startle them like right two six this creepy painting uh, and then he kind of segues kind of like turns the tables on uh, miss cobell and is like i saw miss casey down there and she's what's like, that about trying something new with miss casey keep it between us Hmm. again a lot That's of trust being exhibited between them yeah, sorry, I thought you were doing something for. Oh, no, I was trying to read what I wrote there, and I couldn't, so. Oh. <laughs> no, but yeah, that is a lot of trust between um, Cobell and Milchek, that she's, and she, like, that she's kept certain things to herself, you know, and that they're aware of this. Yeah. I don't know, like, that she hasn't told the board certain things. So she does have some kind of, I don't know if you want to call it some sort of, like, alliance with these other um, yeah. lower-level people, but... Hmm. Interesting. Um, she's trying something different with Miss Casey. So I don't actually even as maybe maybe I'm forgetting something. I don't actually as like a multiple time viewer really get what she's trying to get out of this. I have a theory. Okay, but it's not appropriate. Yeah, but I can't share it yet. Well, that's great content we're creating. Right. You're welcome, listener. <laughs> it's so interesting. Hanger for later. Right. Um, meanwhile, Helly's in the bathroom washing the makeup off her neck, which reveals the bruises from having hung herself. She's, I guess she's kind of just like, why, like, not going to play this game of trying to, like, hide it. She's going to show, remind everybody of what happened. And that she doesn't want to be there. And that she doesn't want to be like, yes, yeah, see what I've, the lengths I've gone to to not be here <laughs> and you continue to force me to stay here. In case you all forgot my suicide attempt, I still don't want to be here. <laughs> Two days ago or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, Miss Casey is waiting on the outside and asks her to please describe your time in the restroom. Like, Miss Casey, that's weird. Inappropriate. Uh, and Mark is kind of, like, on to the fact that Helly's, like, on, already on the... Like, it's like, she's already on the edge. Why are we pushing? And then woman? why are you suffocating her with Miss Casey's yeah. constant presence? <laughs> right. But Mark kind of, like, knocks over his mug to sort of coffee to sort of, like, distract from the third degree that Helly's getting. Mm. Um and he's like, oh shoot, let's go. Uh, or no, Miss Casey wants Helly to accompany her to some supply room or something. And, but Mark's like, no, actually, let's go look at some pen caps. Yeah, uh, it'll be fine. Let's go see where we keep the spare pen caps because we all have a place like that in the office where we keep pen caps. Pen caps, yeah, not mm-hmm. not pens, just the caps. Caps. Um. Dylan as he's and then Helly's like well no why would I want to do that she goes oh you want to spend more time in this case he's sure do that and she's like all right let's go okay yeah let's go see these pen caps (laughs) that sounds Uh, better than hanging out with her Dylan's little plug that just made me I just love him and he's like careful boss weird energy about (laughs) like he's on he's on to something's going on around here he's not attuned to what that is but but yeah, he's no he's not a dummy. Like weird energy going also, on. Also he keeps like trying to like lightly hit on Miss Casey. Yes. Where yeah, she's well. like, I can perform a hug, and he's like, I feel sad. I could use a hug. She's like, or he's like, you know, I could come along. I go to the distribution place all the time. I could go with you. <laughs> she's like, No, it's fine. Um 
So Mark kind of leads Helene to this sort of darkened, like unused office space, and he which is up- creepy because they have like those lights that are like the motion detect. Yeah. So it's like energy saving, where if nobody's walking down the hall, the light is off. Yeah. So, so then like when rolling they walk, as they're the light walking, on. Yeah. But obviously, it's kind of eerie looking. Mm-hmm. It's like when you're in an office after hours. Yeah, or when we went back, if you, I don't know if you ever went back to the office after we left it. Oh yeah, COVID to like it's very dark your, and creepy looking. Your things, and it was like the apocalypse had happened just in that office building. You especially, you had a weird experience. Uh huh. Well, because I went like way later because I was on vacation the week where everybody left. It was a whole weird thing, and it was like <laughs> you just, just got home and we're like, I have to go pick up all my things in this yeah. darkened office that was just abandoned with one guy who worked there for like the next two years, just alone in the building, just like <laughs> in the hanging office. out in there. That sounds awful. That was very like luminesque. <laughs> um. So he kind of has this like little private area, and he whips out the map to show her. Um, and she's like, "I'm not your new PD." And yeah, basically, shuts him down. I don't care, Mark. You can go to hell. Like, I thought we could work on this together. And she's like, "No." Which, from Mark's like point of view, I think it's a smart idea to be like, "Hey, I know you hate it here and want to die just to leave." Like, here's a little but, excitement. But here's a little way we can like rebel, you know. So yeah. that would give you something to kind of um, exist for, uh-huh. right? some little like intrigue. Yeah. Um, Miss Casey, meanwhile, is like clicking down the hallways and she kind of stops and she notices Bert G in this conference room kind of pacing alone and keeps on talking to herself. Kind of, she just kind of looks and keeps moving. Yeah. But when she finds her way back to MDR and I just want to know all the motivation behind this because she seems to have zero, per- she really seems to be a robot with zero personality and zero motivation outside of what she's been like, whatever programmed to do and say by Lumen. But she enters the office where Irving is and she's like, Bert G's in the conference room. What inspired that? I feel like it's kindness. Like, that she's feeling some sort of kindness and warmth towards Irving. For some reason, I mean, I don't know what she's capable of feeling this whatever she, I mean, person, I don't know. She's just so robotic, but I don't know. It just felt like a very kind thing to do. But, like, the other thing, and maybe I'm, like, reading too much into this, but how and why did she know that Irv would want to see him? I think Irving's made it very clear he's in love with her. (laughs) Even to Miss Casey. Everyone knows. (laughs) I guess. So he goes down to, like, visit Bert. But Dylan kind of quickly intercepts that and closes the door between, like, the conference room and Holly where Irving is. Yeah. Dylan's such a, like, he's so ready for a rumble at all yeah. times with OND. It's like he wants there to be a coup for him to like yeah. fight in. Yeah. I mean, him just like grabbing the stapler ready to like yeah. hurl it at, so, you know, he's just so, so aggressive with them. Um, and he's otherwise like pretty chill, laid back guy working just wants his waffle party, you know? He seems like a man of simple like desires. But he just then likes he's his finger like, traps and... Yeah. Really likes finger traps. 
He even um, said in this episode, if I didn't have any finger chaps yet, I'd kill myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. She just doesn't... Super important like, finger traps. Talking about how he's like, she just hasn't earned any incentives yet. That's why, you know, if I didn't That's earn That's why any, she wanted to kill herself. She hasn't got any finger traps. Um, so, anyways, Dylan's, like, suspicious of him. He's like, why didn't you tell us about those six other people that you're in your department? And, um, basically accusing him of, like, trying to be deceptive or whatever, and but Bert admits that he was in that break room working on a joke to tell Irving, which is which is so cute, darling. Ugh. Um, I'm gonna cover because this is again we're kind of cutting between two different things. I'm yeah. just gonna follow the Bert and Irv train and go back to Helen Mark. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Um, why'd you lie about your department? Because oh, we don't trust you guys. Similar to like, they have basically the reverse of what MDR has for optics and design of like this. We, there's this joke about how you guys have this larval pouch and like and then it the larva like eventually eats you and takes over your being or whatever yeah and, but then he turns into a little flirty flirt with Irv mm-hmm. he's like well this would explain or solve the mystery of your youthful energy <laughs> And Irving's so enchanted again. Like, it's just adorable. He's so flattered. I was like, he turns this really weird, like... Gross. Gross story that they've been told into, like, a little cute pickup line to Irving. You know. But Dylan, like, he's kind of does the thing where he looks between them both and he's, like, disgusted. He's like, ugh. He's like, Irving, are you sweet on this guy? Right? Um, You cannot like O&D. They're monsters. uh, Duplicitous snakes. Do you do <laughs> Um So as like I guess a gesture between them because he's like, ah, it's not that we're evil, we just don't trust you guys either. And we have the same stories about how you're gonna kill us and eat us, and it's just like you have that about us. And he kinda like brings them to his optics and design office to show them uh the courtship of Kier and Imogen. Um yeah. Which is like one of their paintings that's like not violent. Yeah. But it's actually he, a decent, like, well, almost. it still takes place in a factory, the painting, but. Well, they bonded over their industrious spirit or something like that, is what he says. Yeah. That they were, I guess, kind of co workers who fell in love. Yeah. In a factory. And so it's kind of like. And then Irving and Bert are sort of and like. Exchange glances. And then like almost hold hands again, but then yeah. Dylan yeah. interrupts. Well, Dylan is like snooping around a little bit and he finds a painting that he thinks is the same, you know, the grim barbarity of optics and design painting that they had in their office. He's like, what the hell is this? Basically, and he's like, no, t- look, take a closer look. The badges are switched. So in this painting, it's the MDR folks that are eating and dismembering the optics oh, and design folks. And Bert's like, that's never been in the hallways. Don't worry, we wouldn't do that. But um, basically, they're kind of they don't really come to any conclusions. Oh, the title. Just basically that they're, yeah, MDR calam- Calamity is the, the title. Mi- the Microdata Refinement Calamity, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I mean, they're basically just told opposing, the same story, but opposing sides. So then they each hate each other. So I don't know if this kind of like flips a switch for them or they don't really discuss like, what does this all mean, right? But... It does inspire Bert to then go introduce his the rest of his like secret department to Dylan and Irving. 
as mm. friends and like the whole crowd kind of goes silent. To try to smooth things over. Yeah. Um, and the, so the crowd looks weary. They're a little like taken aback but um, Irving's got a big smile on his face. He's happy to meet them. <laughs> I think he's happy to like be able to trust Bert again yeah. or whatever. It's like he's just meeting Bert's family. So Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, and that's kind of the end of their little like runner. Mm-hmm. So if we go back to where we left Helen and Mark. Yeah, in the darkened hallways. Um, they're sort of just like trying to find their way back to, or Helly has taken after Mark was like, let's partner up on this map thing. She kind of takes off. Her thing is kind of just taken off, you know? <laughs> so she like storms off and he's kind of like chasing after her sort of thing, mm-hmm. like walk chasing, you know? Yeah. Um, but then suddenly she's like, where the hell are we even? Like, so she's kind of like not pay attention to where she's going. And they hear like bleeding. What do you call that noise? A, some buying or bleeding in the, yeah, I'd say bleeding, like the way a sheep buzz, but it's bleeding because it's not a sheep. <laughs> when they follow this sort of sound, it's like a very, I'm sure if you don't have any context of like, what you're hearing, it's like, well, this is the creepiest noise to hear in the dark It hallway. does sound kind of creepy, especially in a darkened hallway. Mm-hmm. In an office building. In the basement of an office building. Yeah. Um, They find this room where there's like a, sh- a little small goat coming out of it. And it's, the light's on, so they kind of crack it open. There's hay and a man feeding a little baby goat with a bottle and he reacts very strongly he's like no you can't take them they're not ready it's not time and he's get the get the hell out of here yeah and they close the door and leave um and i have like nothing to say here no, because right it's just what the fuck with the goats yeah don't know it, it and, and nothing wrong is happening but the way this man reacts the fact that they he's like bottle feeding them it's very like are people gonna take the goats and do something mean to them because he seems like worried for them or upset that way the only thing i have to comment really on it is that like in some of those paintings we've seen like a guy with like a goat head yeah like a human body with a goat head so there's another instance of goats yeah. I don't know what the hell that means. <laughs> there is one more instance of goats that comes up like way at the end too that I Oh, mm-hmm. we're not ready to But even that. that still doesn't shed any kind of no, light on, on what this is happening with the goats. <laughs> it just feels wrong and creepy, but we just kind of close that door and keep move along. Just move along and Helly's just kind of like, do you think the numbers are we deciding like which goats die and which goats live? Yeah. And Mark's like, probably not. No, no. <laughs> Couldn't be, right? <laughs> and I certainly hope not. Yeah, no, it's... it's The way the man reacts makes me feel really uncomfortable. Where it's like, they're doing something bad to these goats, I think. Are they experimenting on these goats? Are they... I feel like are they sacrificing, sacrificing these them. goats? Yeah, I don't know. To cure? <laughs> I mean... We haven't gotten to, like, the religious component of it. I mean, there's been, like, breadcrumbs of it, the way they, like, refer to Kiri in place of, like, God in a lot of statements. Yeah. Um, but there ends up being, like, more religious. There's more religious, like, motive, energy um, themes mm-hmm. that happen later, too. So, I don't know. So, that's why I'm like, yeah, like, is it, like, a like a sacrifice? I, And if so, what kind of God needs a goat yeah, well, modern day, it's like not like 
it's not like a sacrifice for the village feeding people a goat or yeah. whatever you know like the, why would you i don't know i'm just i'm very upset for the goats uh, yeah we don't know. i just hope they're doing okay like we chatted earlier it was like yeah i still have no like thoughts or theories on the goats not none that are really fleshed out like something it feels like yeah. something bad that's all i got yeah yeah i just don't have a great feeling about it and i just am all of my hopes are on the goats being okay yeah at this point um so Helly kind of like i guess they bond over this and she sort of agrees to now help him with the clean up the map because you're drawing a shit she walked her anger off i think like yeah yeah, I mean, Helly just needs to, like, be angry for a little bit, and then she comes around in the same way that, like, Mark needs time to, like, think about things before yeah. he acts. Like, that's just kind of her Process. MO, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is where Miss Casey finds them when she's been troubled. She's like, oh, you're both unhurt? I was and so scared. And Helly's like, yep, we're, we're fine, um, just walking we're, the halls. What did you think was going to happen? Um, this is where they kind of are all three of them now returning back to the office, but we kind of change our POV of like, it changes to like a security camera watching them walk down the hallway. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see Cobell's watching them on the security camera and really quickly clicks it off when someone opens the door behind her. Which, why? Yeah. Like, it seems like because that's when you think she'd be like, I'm just supervising my department. Yeah, like. That seems normal. In and see, that's where I'm like, she has like such a weird interest in Mark, obviously, yeah. that I'm like, is this not work interest? Like, this is maybe an outside work interest bleeding in? Or whatever her double agent is trying to. Yeah, who knows? I mean, like, it doesn't seem. <laughs> and again, with her keeping, you know, this new role that Miss Casey's playing and that she's trying out something new with her, keeping that under wraps. So that's not, like, Lumen-sanctioned, per se. Yep. Like, what's she got going on? What you got cooking, Cobell? Um, This is where Grainer comes in. Bursts in, I wrote on my notes. (laughs) Um, And he's like, have you been watching what MDR is up to? And she's like, isn't that your job? And that's what I'm kind of referring to, is like, I guess his job is to just monitor MDR. He kind of seems like the downstairs security guy. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's like, how many departments are you going to let them discover? And she says, the surest way to maintain a prisoner is to let him believe he's free. Yeah. So she's at least portraying to Grainer that this is all part of, like, the psychological, like, sort of Master crap plan. that they build for the innies to kind of let them think that they are... Have agency. And... But they don't. Yeah. Um, and that's all I had on that part. Did you have any other? No, I mean the episode it ends on you know them, Bert and Irving and Dylan, all meeting O and D. Yep. Um, which is interesting, and I don't recall if we really like spend more time there as a group. I feel like I believe we do, but I can't. I can't recall exactly what happens then good stuff there's a lot of little like things i feel this is episode five there's like what nine mm-hmm. so we're kind of getting to the like sort of final build up and like cliffhang of stuff starts stuff. going down mm-hmm. um 
Oh, the one note I had too, which my alternate episode title that I would have selected <laughs> is when Grainer comes in and for some reason Cobell says to him, yes, daddy. Yeah. I was like, what is that? Troubling. <laughs> Troubling. Ew. <laughs> um, and she says it like sarcastically, not like sexually, but it sure sounds yeah. sexual. But the thing is, given her like cold demeanor, I could see that swinging in like a sexual way too just how she is like if that were an element of this it wouldn't be that surprising yeah honestly it wouldn't that's true I mean, she's a big question mark like, very yeah. little would be surprising to me about about Cobell <laughs> or about, anything on this show yeah pretty much I mean I say that but I'm always surprised by like the, what ends up same happening. and yet it's still like yeah but that checks why wouldn't why wouldn't that I mean, happen? at this point everything is just so weird and like it doesn't follow like a a trope really so much that it's like anything it could be yeah. we're sacrificing goats to cure it could be that we're harvesting bodies of any people who i don't know, I don't know. yeah we'll we are out. again like having the terrorist attacks um cyber terrorism from the from refining the data i, I keep know. forgetting what that book is called but yes Lexington letters. Lexington letters. Um, so that's kind of it for this, and we'll reconnect next week. Just a little like side note that we will plan to um, cover Christine's wedding and potentially the talkbacks that were released as well. Yep. That were like the better version of the tell-all, much basically. better. Um, from Sister Wives. Keep up. Obviously, we're talking about Sister Wives. <laughs> right. End of the severance episode. Um. <laughs> And man, anybody who just tunes in casually is probably super confused with our podcast. I know, honestly, it's it's just what we want it to be. Well, this is just fun for us, so we just do what we want. We we net a whopping like fifty dollars every year. We do this, so right. So there's really which we got to take ourselves out to dinner one of these days. We'll do it. Maybe yeah. We're coming up on two years. Has it been two years? Yeah, about two years. Mm -hmm. So. Look at us go. Look at us go. Podligamous Pod is hosted by Haley Graff and Samantha Kaiser. Edited by Samantha Kaiser. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. You can follow us on Instagram at Pod. Thanks for